0: you're listening to the taking back slut podcast with jennifer doan bringing you talks tools and tips so you can be the safest sexiest slut you can be Welcome to the Taking Back Slept Podcast. I am Jennifer Doan, and this week we're going to be talking all about periods. So I have uh, a really awesome guest today. I've been (laughs) creeping her on Instagram for the last, I don't know, six months or so. Um, but, uh, Her name is Lilia Guestson, and she is an artist and a menstrual equity activist. And she's located in Washington, DC. And she first became interested in the topic of menstruation after years of frustration with her own period. But now she strives to create an open dialogue around the topic through her blog, Paint Me Red, as well as her social media networks and her artwork. And recently she's been working on a series called I Am Red, which is a body of community-based performance artwork that allows individuals to openly express their thoughts on menstruation. And she's also an organizer of the 2019 Washington DC National Period Day Rally. So thank you so much for being with me today, Lilia.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I've also been like stalking your Instagram account for about six months too as well.
0: So, <laughs> Perfect. The, when the stalkers finally meet. <laughs> 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 so I want to get started about talking about, the reason I wanted to have you on in October is because the uh, the period day rally is coming up. It's on October 19th as far as I um, uh, informed, yeah. but, um, you, do you want to talk a little bit about what it is and like why we have it, uh, and kind of what,
1: what goes on? I would love to, and this is like really great timing because it is coming up in, I guess it's a little more than a week now. And it's been, we've been in planning this for a long time for a few months now, and it's put together by period.org, which is a nonprofit menstrual like health and education organization that is fighting against like period stigma and fighting for menstrual equity. And they decided it was time we really make like a huge splash when it comes to like government policies around menstruation and how people view it. So for National Period Day, which is October 19th, there'll be a rally in every state um, around the same time. And we'll be fighting to get rid of the tampon tax and to get accessible products in schools, shelters, prisons, and especially in Washington, D.C., we're going to be focusing a lot about the menstrual health issue that is happening in the border camps and getting products Mm -hmm. there. as well. So we're going to be touching base on all of that and all coming together in a really inclusive rally. We're really trying to make this not so much like a woman's rally or a woman's issue, but really shed light on the fact that there's more people than just women who menstruate, like Mm -hmm. women, both menstruate. And this is why we really do need to have this conversation between everyone. So we're really, we're really trying to bring awareness to the fact that menstruation is no longer just a woman's issue. Because a lot of people who argue that like, we shouldn't talk about menstruation are very much like this is a private matter that only women should have to deal with. But we're making the point now that more than just women are menstruating. Yeah. Um,
0: can you, like, what, why is removing the tax important?
1: That's a really good question. I believe it's important for numerous reasons. First of all, it, the tax on menstrual hygiene products, they're taxed as a luxury item. Mm-hmm. So 35 U.S. states still have the tax on menstrual products. There are a few states that are just taxed, just don't have taxes in general um, on different type of products that you like store taxes. And there's other States that have removed the tax on menstrual products themselves. However, there are tax, there are no taxes. My bad. There are no taxes on Viagra or Rogaine or chapstick. And there's a Mm. few other items on that list too, that are considered necessities. So we're really fighting for the fact that like, why are menstrual hygiene products not considered necessities? But Viagra is. And Viagra is. Yeah. (laughs) That's one of the, like, major arguments that we're putting forward. Um, And one of the arguments that a lot of people get really surprised about, I was actually talking, one of the posts that was posted on Instagram about the National Period Day Rally, we had, like, so many comments come in from, and I was responding to all these comments, and there were so many people that were like, this is stupid, why are you doing this, this day, like, we shouldn't have a day for this. And as soon as I started bringing up, like, just kind of the facts that we were working off of, like viagra isn't taxed but menstrual hygiene products are and this happens and that happens it was really amazing watching like their response they're always like oh we didn't know that was happening yeah, that or makes not- sense yeah and it it's not common knowledge because we don't talk about it in our society so yeah. a lot of kind of the aggression or the like pushback from people that we're getting for the rally is just coming from a place of not knowing and not mm-hmm. society that Tells them anything about it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we Canada got rid of their um, period product uh, tax in twenty fifteen. So that's we still have tariffs that we have like um, import tariffs, and so that's like uh-huh. a whole other thing. But yeah, we actually did do that in twenty fifteen, and there was like a big celebration and how to do about it. But uh, I agree. I think it's really important. It's something that we're all using. Every month, and yeah. uh, that that access is so important, um, to, especially for people who are like financially struggling. Like it can make a big difference.
1: It really can, and it like kind of comes down to first. It's amazing that Canada got a, like got rid of that. That is awesome. Like i that makes me so happy to hear. <laughs> um, but also, it is kind of crazy. Like when you start like looking into it further, um, how that tax and just how. The exuberant costs of menstrual hygiene products keep a lot of people out of school and out of work because a lot of times they have to choose between paying for food that day or paying to take care of their period. Mm -hmm. And it kind of comes down to this like ethical issue too of like menstruation is now keeping women like out of the workforce. It's keeping women out of school just because they can't afford the hygiene products to manage it. And not only that, um, menstrual hygiene products are also considered a medical device. All of Mm -hmm. them are considered medical devices. So they don't need to have, um, any ingredients on any of their boxing, which is kind of like a whole nother topic of like what goes into the making of all of these like products. And they're not required to say because of this distinction as a medical device. Um, Hmm. but the problem with that is, is that they're still taxed as like a luxury item and not so much as like a medical necessity. So we kind of get into like a controversy and how we're labeling them as well in terms of. Absolutely. Yeah. Um,
0: and I think, I mean, has there been a full, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but has there been like a full generation of people that have used tampons for their entire life yet? Like, do we even know the repercussions Health wise, of using them for that long of a
1: period, that is a great question. I actually don't know the answer to that. Um, tampons were invented, I believe, it was in like the late twenties, early thirties. They've been around for a while. Um, they didn't. Depending on what culture you're in and like what you grew up in, depends on how long you might not abuse
0: them. Yeah.
1: Um, but I'm sure that there are people out there that use them for their like entire menstrual cycles. The problem is, is that there are not very many studies out there on anything relating to periods. <laughs>
0: or or reproductive health on people health. born female.
1: Yeah. <laughs> has, I've like been looking into it and trying to find like more studies on things. And like the first study about like menstrual cups just came out, like the first extensive study. Um, wow. I haven't heard of any of it like based on tampons that are like huge like expensive studies of their long-term effects but that just may be because I haven't heard of it they Mm -hmm. very well might be out there um but like I was also like reading a lot on like birth control and like hormonal birth control and there's like no studies about that either it's just like kind of crazy once you start looking into it and realize like no one's researching any of this or at least the people who are researching it aren't getting enough funding to be able to like bring it to common knowledge.
0: Yeah. It's, I mean, maybe it's being researched, but we're definitely not being educated around it. Like I, yeah. I know that like birth control is actually like a considered a level one carcinogen because it right. like can cause cancer down the road. Yeah. Uh, cause it's hormone based, but, right. um, but people don't really talk about that. Obviously everyone should have access and be able to choose what birth control, uh, and exactly. what period products are going to work for them. Um, but uh, but they should be able to make educated choices around that, I think.
1: I completely agree. And like as we're fighting kind of like to be able to make our own choices, like you said, I feel like the education is so important in it. so that we can we can make our own choices and not mm-hmm. have kind of society making those choices for us. And in terms of like menstrual hygiene products, if all the information is out there on tampons and people feel like tampons is their best bet, then they should go with it. But the problem is we don't have all that information out there. At least as common knowledge without doing extensive research to find it.
0: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And that probably has a lot to do with like all the stigma that surrounds periods. Um, Yeah. So how, like, how did you personally, you said you had like a frustrating experience with your own period and kind of coming to terms with uh, how it worked in your body. But can you talk a little bit about how you came to
1: be more comfortable with your own period? I would love to. So I was I was a competitive rhythmic gymnast throughout like high school, throughout my teens, in my early twenties, I shifted over to ballet and decided I wanted to become a professional ballet dancer. Um and that lasted until I got injured. But throughout that whole process of being an athlete, of being um a ballet dancer, I had to be dealing with my period the whole time. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately like i wasn't able to use tampons at that point my hymen was just too tight to be able to get a tampon in which was so frustrating and i always thought there was something wrong with me until i started like researching it more and realizing that a lot of people have the same problem um but so that always made my periods like a really difficult time of the month and then i always had painful periods and the pain progressively got worse in my early 20s and it got to the point where i just like was like, something is wrong. (laughs) Like it shouldn't, this is not how this experience should be. Um, And that's really what kind of brought me into like this researching menstruation, talking to people about menstruation. And it it really wasn't until I started doing artwork, performance artwork based on menstruation and based on people being able to voice their opinions on it, that I started to talk to hundreds of women about their experience and realizing that we're all going through really similar things. And all the things that I thought were just like weird to me, I found out like so many people around me were going through them and just no one talks about it to each other. And that really frustrated me because I was like, there's all this knowledge out there that no one's telling anybody. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) That's really like what kind of like turned me around into like really talking a lot about it and researching it a lot and using it in my artwork, and trying to talk to as many people as I can to understand their experiences. It was just like that, like, click that, oh my gosh, we're all going through this, let's start sharing.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and I find that's, like, a lot these days, especially with um, uh, people who are born female, and their reproductive health. It seems like it's it's really coming out of a place of like, we don't have any knowledge around this. So we all just have to share our own stories and kind of build knowledge around it from our community. Uh, And while, while it is kind of irritating that we don't really have that knowledge, it's also kind of created this like beautiful um, open communication community, which is awesome.
1: It really has. And that's what I'm finding more and more, like as I'm entering this community and as I'm like finding more people who are talking openly about, menstruation and women's bodies and like sex positivity is that it's such a rich and beautiful community that's so open and so just open to helping each other and helping each other understand everything and find that research out there that is out there just like hidden <laughs> not, <Yeah>. not, <laughs> not findable <laughs> but it's just it, it's so like um amazing and comforting to know that there's something out people out there who are looking for the same thing and looking for that communication.
0: Absolutely. And that we're all going through it too.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Um, so what do you think that like the best way that you found so far, how can we like, make our periods less taboo? Because we do have that stigma and that's like, what's making us all uncomfortable around it and not having that knowledge. Is it, yeah. is it communicating within our community? Is it like some form of activism? Like what's the best way that like the average person can kind of push through this and create more knowledge?
1: That is an amazing question. So I've actually been thinking about this a lot recently, um, especially like doing this rally and talking to so many people about this rally that both agree with us and don't agree with us. And I found that the best way to kind of break through this taboo has been to to communicate just with the people around you, communicate what's happening to you, communicate what's happening in general with our laws and with the stigma, but more importantly, really being compassionate while we're communicating. I've noticed that, and, like, I, I did this when I first started, like, talking about it. I was like, oh, my gosh, like, why are people not getting on board when I'm talking about <laughs> <laughs> I'm like... People keep telling me they don't want to hear about this stuff. And I realized that a lot of times when I was talking about it, I was like, I I was saying it so passionately that it was kind of making it so that they were like turning away from it at the same time. So right. this is so important. Like, why aren't you like on board instead of instead of like thinking from like the perspective of society of how. We really aren't taught it, especially, especially men. Like we, from like a young age, a lot of people aren't exposed to the topic.
0: Mm -hmm. So when they,
1: they have these like years of like knowing that this is a taboo topic that they shouldn't talk about. So talking about it is naturally really difficult and really like nerve wracking and the huge stigma behind it isn't happening. But by kind of like putting ourselves in that perspective of like, how would I feel if this is a topic I was really never allowed to be a part of and realizing that to break through that, we really need compassionate knowledge of just being like, you know what? Yeah, let's start. Let's start talking about this. Let's start educating people about this instead of like yelling at them that they're not listening to us. Let's try to understand where they're coming from and then be like, this is where we're coming from. This Mm -hmm. is how we feel about the topic. Here are the facts that we have. Um, I've noticed that that works way better than kind of breaking through the taboo in a real aggressive way. But breaking through it in like a compassionate way and realizing that it's really hard to talk about the topic. For sure.
0: And because of the lack of education around it, right? Um, Especially with, with people who were like, were brought up as male, like, they just didn't, like, it probably, it wasn't even part of their sex education. Like, I don't know, like, some people have different experiences. Um, For me, it was, we were separate. So the, the girls were in one room and the boys were in the other learning about sex ed, but they didn't get the same sex ed we did we got periods and like (laughs) how to I don't even know there was nothing (laughs) about orgasms or anything it was just it was just about like periods and not having sex but they didn't get the period portion and so it's like basically half the population doesn't get educated (laughs) and then like people who are like essentially afraid of periods because they don't have it Around it, they don't know what it's about. They don't even know like why it happens. Uh, they just know that like the other half of the population is bleeding once a month, and that sounds like something out of a horror story.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's something to like stay away from, which I think is a lot of people's mentality. They're like, okay, we need to take a huge step back from this. When they're done bleeding, we'll like start everything up again.
0: Right. Um, just leave it alone yeah. and not <laughs> gonna look at them until they're done.
1: <laughs> exactly. And I'm noticing more and more that it's because of this kind of like idea that when someone is bleeding, like we just don't deal with the topic in society, that that's one of the reasons a lot of laws are going in place and like not being revised. So there's a lot of politicians who have been quoted saying like that the bill just wasn't... Um, like finalized or didn't go through because it was an uncomfortable topic to talk about. And especially like bills that are trying to get like free menstrual care products into prisons because prisons right now, um, prisoners don't have very much um, access to menstrual care products in general. And what they do is like at extreme rates that is really hard to afford or extremely low quality And a lot of bills that have arisen being like, let's fix this problem, um, have just kind of been either vetoed or put on the back burner because a lot of the people deciding were really uncomfortable with the topic, which is something we kind of, in our society, we even like encourage a bit, this like discomfort with the topic, especially when we start telling people like, you can't be a part of this topic because you're not bleeding. And I've noticed a lot of people saying that too. Like I've talked to a lot of people that are just like, we're uncomfortable with people talking to us about it who aren't in our same situation. And I think that's one of the big problems too is we're not, our society as like a whole is not very open to discussing it with the people that really need to hear it.
0: Embarrassment around it.
1: Yeah. Um, so... Can you like, can you
0: maybe just like explain like to, and like sometimes people just don't know what's actually happening during their periods. Do you just want to like talk about like what a period is and why it happens and like what's going on in your body at that time? Because that might just be good information to get out there because we're talking about how people aren't educated around it. But um, yeah a little then,
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I think that's a great idea. So when a person is like bleeding and on their period, it's their uterus and their uterine lining shedding. And that shedding is what's creating the blood. You're shedding that uterine lining. Um, It happens after ovulation, after a woman has an egg that's gone through the fallopian tube into the uterus. And when there's no sperm waiting for it, it gets dissolved. And the uterus is like, okay, I'm ready to have a baby and no baby's here. So we're going to just like shed our lining and start that process all over again. So it's very much a kind of like a a new and a shedding and like a new step for whatever future baby is about to be conceived. Um, So every month we go through the same thing. Every month, if you're not pregnant, you shed that uterine lining and you're bleeding um, and it's also accompanied by fluctuation in hormone levels. So progesterone is the hormone that's prevalent at this stage of your menstrual cycle. Um, estrogen and testosterone are higher levels during your preovulation and your ovulation. And then they kind of subside and progesterone takes on. Um, and that's, that's also the hormone. So progester- progesterone is the hormone that um, makes you want to eat a lot. It brings your appetite back up it's really it kind of makes um you more hyper aware of everything around you so you're a lot more anxious um and so that kind of has to pms too
0: <laughs> what was that also the the hormone that kills your uh your appetite for sex
1: <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> yes it is <laughs> And that's another aspect of it too. So that's kind of like biologically what's happening to your body when you're menstruating. And it really, how your mentality is towards it can contribute to your experience having it too. So if you think of your period as this kind of renewing of letting go everything around you that isn't important, shedding and starting like fresh it can be a lot more pleasant than just viewing it as like an unbearable moment of the month, Absolutely. which is for a long time how I viewed it too.
0: Yeah. And I think that there's like power in knowing how your body cycles through uh, each month because you go through these different periods that are going to, I mean, periods, but not periods. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> When um, things are going to be easier for you, and things are going to be a little bit a le- little bit harder based on how your hormone levels are at that
1: time. Um,
0: I know that yeah. you know more about this. Do you want to maybe talk a little bit about, about the cycles that we go through each month?
1: Yes, this is actually this is something I've been like super into recently. I just read this book called The Blood Book by Liana Parésia and Ashley um, Catrell, Cut- Ashley Catrell. And it is so amazing. This is kind of like what introduced me to the idea of a woman being cyclical and having different periods of her like menstrual cycle. And like, I always knew I was like, I ovulate at a certain point and I have my period in my head. Like my period was that time of the month. And then everything else was just like the rest of the time where I was okay. And I could like function (laughs) and it all kind of got grouped together into the same thing. And it wasn't until I kind of read this book that I really started realizing that we do have these like distinct periods. You have like your pre-ovulation, which you can consider like your spring. It's like you're kind of waking up from your like shedding and being exhausted. You're getting more energy. Your home hormone levels are rising. um, And then you go into ovulation. And that's really when you're super powerful and able to get so much done. Your energy levels are just spiking super high. You're able to get everything done during the day that you've been procrastinating with for the rest of your cycle. And then once you kind of get into like, um, your pre-menstruation, which is like your PMS time, that's when like the progesterone starts kicking in and you get a little bit more tired. You get a little bit more anxious. You're more critical and aware of your surroundings and then you menstruate and everything just starts new. And a lot of times you're exhausted when you're menstruating. Your body's going through so much, shedding that much blood. And it's really normal to be that exhausted. And to by resting, a lot of times it can really bring down all the symptoms for your period and make them a little less extreme, which is something that our society really doesn't help us do, especially when we're trying to go, 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 like 24-7, um, Resting on our period is something that's really hard, but will really take away a lot of those symptoms that people experience that make it so terrible.
0: Absolutely. And I've actually gotten to a place where I'll like schedule things based on where I am in my cycle. It actually takes so much stress off of my life. Like, I know that that's a very privileged thing to be able to do, but it's like if I know that. I don't know, I wanna go on like a vacation or something. I'm like, I'm gonna do that while I'm ovulating because that's gonna be a really great vacation. Or if like, I know I have like a really stressful uh, project coming up, then I'll like usually schedule that either in my spring or summer, as you called them, um, because I know that I'll have the energy to kind of get through that. And obviously, ovulation time is like a huge thing that I talk about because it gives us that very like sexy energy that we can get that makes us feel very in control and very confident. And a lot of the stu- stuff that I want to do is be able to like harness that energy at any time and be able to find it when we need it. But it's like, it's really about knowing what your body's capable of at certain times, because people who don't have these hormones in their bodies the same way that um, that we do, they don't have that. It's a little bit more baseline for them. Whereas like we actually go through these these waves and these ebbs and flows, through it, like it's very intense like our emotions really do go from one end to the other Uh, and I think it's like incredible and very cool and it like allows me to know what I'm going to be feeling at a certain time and be able to like base my life around that like I know I'm really going to want sex
1: during ovulation so I can be like okay well I'm going to make sure I'm ready for that. (laughs) Yeah that's so true it's like so powerful knowing like what your body is going through and like what you're capable of. Like you said, like, it's exactly the same thing. I have started like realizing that I need to be scheduling my life also around my cycle. And just knowing that I'm going to be more tired, like right before my period and on my period is really kind of empowering knowing that myself. Cause I'm always like, why am I so tired? Like why I should be able to get all this done. Why am I so emotional? Why am I tired? This this isn't how it's supposed to be. But it really, it really is. It's exactly how it's supposed to be and it's so natural. And working with it gives you like the superpower. Like you said, like you know you're gonna have a sex drive when you're ovulating. And you know you may need to sleep a little bit more when you're menstruating. And I was actually I've been like thinking about this a lot too. So today when we were like um talking about the podcast in my my head, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm ovulating right now. This is the perfect time to do a podcast. (laughs) Because it's like your more outgoing time when you're outgoing and ready to do things. And I was like, yes. (laughs) I'm going to nail this.
0: (laughs) It's really powerful to just know your body. Like obviously on like every level, but um, your cycle as well, just being able to know what's going to happen to you is just like... It's really like taking control of your body and being able to say like, this is what I need at this time and being able to express those needs to whoever's around you. Um, I think it's like a very confidence building and um, can really feel, make you feel like you're more in control of what's happening to you.
1: Because I completely agree. Yeah. No, definitely. It really does like help you feel in control. And it's also something that if you like track and write down every day, how you're feeling, you're going to like start to notice a pattern. And by the end of like doing it for like three to four months, you're going to know exactly what day you're feeling, what on, you're going to know you're going to be procrastinating on this day or this day, you're going to need to take a nap or this day you're going to be like super productive and get so much done. And that was something that I didn't really realize until I started reading like the blood book where like that started talking about all of this and then I was like, oh my gosh, yes, like two days before my period, I know that I get super emotional and have the exact same conversation with my boyfriend every single time. That's <laughs> like crazy. It's like to the T, the same conversation for like s- however many months straight. And I'm always like, I don't know why I bring this up every time. And now I'm like, oh I know. I just need to not talk about that two days before my period and that'll be fine. <laughs> It's it's too emotional to bring up that topic, but, um, it really, it's so empowering to be able to track. Um, Mm -hmm. it's something that I encourage, like any woman who wants more control over understanding their moods, understanding their cycle to just start writing it all down. And it's really going to make a huge difference. It
0: was like 50% of people that I polled had, uh, were using period tracker apps, um, Mm -hmm so that, and that's awesome, but, um, that's yeah, I, I find it really, like, if you are diligent enough, and you actually, like, do it, I, when I first started it, I was, like, oh, shit, I forgot to put my period in, when did that happen again, but, like, <laughs> uh, yeah. but, uh, yeah, I, I've used a period tracker app, for, I think, for, like, almost, like, five or six years now, but it's really changed things, you can actually add on a lot of them, uh, like, your mood that day, whether or not you were having breakouts, uh, whether or not, like, you had pain of any kind, like, body aches and like muscle aches and stuff um and it's just like it's good to be able to look back and see because usually those things will line up be like oh I'm having at this time of the month every month and we're like I'm having like this pain and then you can either manage that or you can at least know that it's coming and be like emotionally prepared for it (laughs) and I think there's exactly what your body's going to do and either having control over it or having emotional and mental preparedness for it.
1: Yeah, so, no, definitely.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. And especially like once, like, I know a lot of people who the same as like 50, 50, who tracked a period and don't. And, um, it's just, it's also really comforting to know when it's coming, like, you know, your periods, you're going to have your period in two days, so you can be prepared. Um, and there's a lot of the, like fertility awareness apps too, that help you know exactly when you're ovulating. So you can kind of pinpoint that. So that helps all around, you know, when your like top day is going to be, um, you also know when you're more likely to get pregnant, which is always, always helpful to know, especially like no matter if you're trying to get pregnant or not trying to pregnant, not trying to get pregnant. It's always good to kind of be aware that that day is is the day that that would happen.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And that's, I mean, not, not a lot of people know that, but there is like only about a week or so in your cycle where it's like very, very probable that you're going to get pregnant. Like if something touches you, you will most likely become pregnant. Um, I mean, it is like, there's slim chances at all times that you can get pregnant. So like, be safe accordingly but uh yeah I mean me and my husband use the Billings method um which is actually like an originally a Christian method for birth control but uh we just use it because we know my cycle really well and we're able to to like know when I can get pregnant and when I'm most likely not to and then like we'll use condoms if we need to and Go from there, but uh, yeah, that's I found that that's like that's why I originally started using a tracker. But just like having that information has been so powerful and so useful to me. I want to like switch gears for a second here, though. Cause yeah, I have and we've been just like chatting like old friends, <laughs> so it's gonna be a long. One. <laughs> uh, I wanted to talk about. Oh yeah, so I discovered free bleeding. Not that long ago. Like, I've been doing it yes. for a couple of years. I use Thinks underwear to free bleed. Uh, and I just kind of wanted to chat about it. Like, obviously, everyone should bleed how they want to bleed, and that's like should be their choice. But do you want to talk a bit about like free bleeding,
1: like what it is, and if there's any benefits to it, and like why we would do such a thing? <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. This is like one of my favorite topics within like the grander topic of menstruation. Um, and it's something that I talk about a lot like on my social media, Um, it's just amazing. Free bleeding is so amazing. So a lot of people don't know what the term free bleeding is. And it's really, it's as simple as it sounds. It's bleeding without being restricted by any kind of menstrual hygiene product. And it's usually referring to traditional menstrual hygiene products. So tampons or pads or cups, anything that is going to collect that blood or restrict your flow in any way um and it's sometimes debated whether or not reusable pads are in that same category or, or if they're also considered free bleeding but period panties and period underwear are definitely considered free bleeding because it doesn't feel like you're you have any kind of menstrual hygiene product on and that's really kind of the definition is if you feel like you're not restricting it in any way if you feel like very natural Um, that's what free bleeding is. And it kind of changes per person exactly like how they use that information or how they define it for themselves. It's something very much that's personal and personal to you, but it really is amazing. I also do it all the time. I use things underwear. um, And sometimes I just have days that I'm like, I'm dealing with so many other things. I can't deal with like dealing with menstrual hygiene products right now. My body doesn't want them anywhere near me. Um, And I just sit on a towel and bleed for like hours. And it's, yeah, it is so powerful um, to just sit there and let your body do what it needs to do and not be like trying to control it or restrict it in any way. Um, and it also has like the nice added benefit of you're less likely to get toxic shock syndrome or an infection related to a menstrual hygiene product. Your body is really just doing what it was meant to do in a very natural and wholesome way. And it, it feels super empowering to do it.
0: I I feel like free bleeding is really what got me comfortable with my own blood. And I think that Mm -hmm. that's like something that a lot of people struggle with is like, Cause I, I always, the big thing with like OB tampons when they first started coming out, or even now people are always like, I just don't want to put my fingers inside myself. And like, I see like, I get where they're coming from, but there's, there's also like this, this freedom in being able to just like bleed on yourself or like, let your like blood just like touch you. Like it's yours. It's your blood. You're not gonna get sick from it. It's not dirty. There's nothing wrong with it. It's your own blood coming out of you. And it's like, if you can get comfortable with that, I feel like there's so much more power in your period. And it's not, doesn't become this embarrassing, gross, scary thing that's coming out of you. It's just more like, I have control over this and this is mine and I own this period. And I can like deal with it in whatever way that makes me comfortable. And that's really the power that I've gotten from free bleeding.
1: Yeah, no, that's amazing. I totally understand that feeling. And it really, it really is really powerful to like, know that it's okay to have your own blood on you. Like that it, you're right, that it's, it's not dirty. It's natural and it's a part of you. Um, I think a lot of people don't realize how much they bleed on their period, especially if they use tampons. Um, you really start realizing it when you're using a cup. It's actually not that much blood. So I think people would be surprised, too, by it's not as if you're like have this huge like blood, like wave coming out of you and you're sitting in free bleeding. It's like, it's like little, it's, it's, it's a small amount. The shining elevator. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it's, it's really empowering. And I totally understand where people are coming from with the not, not wanting to like touch their blood or like stick their finger inside of them. Um, Cause I used to come from that exact place where I was like, so uncomfortable with my body. And um, it translated into being like uncomfortable with my sexuality as well. And just like anything that has to do with the vagina. I was like, Nope, not for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really like learning more about my period and like trying different menstrual hygiene products is really what got me comfortable with my body. And, Now I can safely say to anybody out there who's having like that same reaction of I don't want to stick my finger in my vagina, it's really not that bad. (laughs) And it's like, it's really empowering (laughs) to like be able to be that comfortable with your body that you can use whatever method of like management and menstrual hygiene management you want. Like you said, like being that close and intimate with your body is so powerful. Um, And free bleeding is a good way to get into that and to start that. Do you think, yeah, do you think that
0: that's, like, what do you think is a good, like, starter? If someone is, has that kind of um, fear or shame around their period, uh, like, what's, what's, like, the first step in getting over that and getting to a place where they could do something as free as free bleeding? I mean, yeah. I was thinking is, like, I guess you'd have to, like, get comfortable, like, looking at it or, like, touching it, but, like, what's the, what would you suggest as, like, a step-by-step?
1: That's a really good question. So I kind of threw myself into it. I was like, um, jump right in. I, I, yeah, I like jumped right in. I like jumped into using a menstrual disc, which you have to be like even more intimate with your body for because unlike a cup where you just kind of like stick it in and it pops open, you like literally have to like push your finger like all the way up to your cervix to uh, like push the menstrual disc under your pubic bone. Um, and that was something like, I was super uncomfortable with my body. And I was just like, I'm going to go all in and like (laughs) do this super like intrusive method that, um, like not the most like starting step-by-step way. However, it did get me over that super fast. Like within the first two days of my period, having to put in a disc, I was like, I am now fully comfortable with my body and I can do anything. And it was like a superpower. I was like, now I can conquer anything that do with my body. Yeah, it was, it was really powerful. So I think that, um, if someone is feeling the, like really wants to kind of get into understanding their body better, understanding menstruation, being comfortable with it, that is one way to do it. That is definitely not going to work for everybody. Um, and kind of a more step-by-step would be like you said, um, like look at your vulva and your vagina and understand it, and then like be comfortable touching it because um, that comes a lot of reusable menstrual hygiene products. You do need to be comfortable touching, and that's a really good first place to start. Um, and then I actually think free bleeding is a good starter into all of it as well because you're you're able to like visually see your blood. Depending on how you decide to do it, you're more comfortable with just flowing and not restricting it. And I think that free bleeding is actually a really great starter to this whole like menstrual journey. If someone wants to go on it, it's, it's not intrusive in any way. It's very natural. And it's a good way to be like, Oh yeah, my, this is my body. Like I'm understanding it now.
0: Totally. And I, I like, I like things a lot because like if you are someone who maybe is a little bit less comfortable, you can actually like, you can't really like see the blood unless you want to see the blood and you can still use like a product with it if you want to use a tampon with it and then like use it as like a safety net or if you want to use like some other form of um a period product for like the first day and then free bleed for the rest of it then that's like great too depending on like how heavy your period and how your flow is but the, the reason I like it is because like It's a lot less, like everyone's always like, oh, and then you're just, your blood is there and like, it's everywhere. Like, how does, how does things work? Like, are you just like sitting in a pool of your own blood? But it's like, not very intrusive. Like it all kind of just disappears unless you've like just bled, you're probably not going to see it. Like, unless you've just had like a, a, like a bleeding, like, and then you just kind of take them off and you can literally just throw them in the washing machine, like right away. And you don't even have to like be part of it. But at the same time, you're still allowing your body to... Do what it needs to do without actually interfering with the flow or anything,
1: which I think is super cool. <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree. I use things too, and I swear by them. I love them so much. And for me, what I really ended up really like liking about them was I used them when I slept. So I always had problems like sleeping on my period. Mm-hmm. I'd like wake up like drenched in blood, and I'd be like, "Oh my gosh!" And it was like the thing I dreaded the most was waking up after a night of bleeding. And, like, having to, like, take that extra time because I know that I'm going to need extra time in the morning to, like, clean it all up and figure out, like, get myself all sorted again. Um, and things eliminated all of that. Like, period underwear. I could sleep in it and wake up, refresh. I could sleep in underwear and not, like, layers of clothing with a towel under me. Yes. Um Yes. I'm like, yep, yep. yep." Yes. And it's just, it's so amazing. Like I can sleep through the night now. I don't have to wake up and like feel gross. Um and it's yeah, it's amazing. I really using it for sleeping, I use it at the end of my period when my flow is lighter. And I've had a lot of people ask me the same thing, like how do they work? And you're right, it just disappears. Like it goes into the lining, you don't see it. There's it's really like uh, the perfect product for getting comfortable with your body and not restricting it in any way.
0: Hey, thanks. Sponsor us, please. Send us <laughs> 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 Uh, I want to, we had some questions come in from some of our listeners. I've never said our listeners before. It feels very corny, but, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I'm going to go to those now. I'm just going to pull them up here. Um. So our first question was, uh, we covered it a little bit, but um, someone wanted to know about like the shame and that society puts towards periods, uh, especially around men and like why that shame happens. So I think we kind of covered that in the sense that it's, um has a lot to do with like fear and non-education. Is there anything else you want to like cover on that?
1: Yeah, I think that those are kind of the main two ones that it's coming from a place of fear and not knowing and not having anyone explaining it or letting them in on the conversation. Um, but I think that's also something that we can, I want to say easily, it's not going to be that easy because it's always hard to change like social beliefs, but it's something that just by including like everyone in the conversation um, and being okay with the fact that they're coming in, not knowing anything and really showing compassion towards that and being like, here, let me tell you what this is really like and all the facts behind it, the education behind it. And then like together we can all understand this issue and solve it. Um, I think that's really important and the, the stigma behind menstruation it really it like it dates back so long um and it's in multiple cultures there's cultures that really honor menstruation and there's cultures that are very similar that just don't want anything to do with it and think it's really dirty um and it i am ah, <laughs> I, wanna, I like really want to be able to say like how it started <laughs> But I have no idea, like, how it started. But having, a, like, a patriarchal society that really um, loves traits of being, like, constantly productive, um, constantly being able to work 24-7 doesn't help, especially when someone's menstruating and needs to sleep a lot and needs to rest a lot. Like, that doesn't really help with the stigma also. So there's a lot of things that kind of contribute to the stigma. Um, but being able to educate, I think, is the best way to break through it. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, so someone asked if there's any natural ways to lighten or shorten your period.
1: That That is an awesome question. <laughs> you
0: can shorten it. I don't know about lightening it. I know you can shorten it with sex. So like basically anything that will like pull excess blood out of you will cut a, f- cut a couple days off your period. So I think even like exercising because like the movement will move it out. But, uh,
1: sex is one of those ways. I do know that much. <laughs> that's awesome. I actually didn't know that one. So I'm really glad to know that. Um, I know some people who use menstrual cups also say their periods are shorter cause it like it's held in with suction and kind of like sucks the blood out. Um, so that's the only thing I've heard though. I haven't heard of any natural ways to lighten it. Lightening it's really out. depending on the person. Um, yeah, I
0: I don't know if like there's been so little research done on it. I'm sure there's probably like oh people who only eat cashews like they <laughs> you know, but like there's been so little research done around uh, female reproductive. But I do know like anything that like moves it or like uh, physically pulls it out of you will like shave off a couple days. Um, yeah, being penetrative sex <laughs> or. <laughs> In any sex if you're having an orgasm because that will actually like get the muscles to push it out too yeah uh so is there any specific reason why some bleed between periods and can it be fixed
1: okay so this one i was like really intrigued like listening to this comment at uh, this question um and there's so many different reasons why someone could be bleeding between their periods. And I want to kind of be careful with how I answer this because I'm not a medical professional um, and I don't have any kind of medical background. Um, So if someone is concerned about bleeding in between periods, it's definitely your body telling you that it needs attention, that there's something happening inside you. And it's always the safest bet to go see a doctor and make sure everything's okay. It can be caused by something so small as you just have excess stress in your life. Cause what stress does is when your flight and fight response comes on with stress, it represses and suppresses your reproductive system. So each time you get stressed, your reproductive system is like turning off and on and off and on, which is affecting all those hormones and affecting your cycle. Um, So stress can make you bleed in between periods, but it could also be something um, as far as like a pelvic infection that could be causing bleeding between periods so it's definitely a good idea to get that checked out and make sure that everything is okay but it's also i was thinking about it and it's so important to trust your body so if your body is telling you that there's something off if you feel like there's something off and you're not being diagnosed with anything and you just feel like there's something happening trust that your intuition is so strong when it comes to your body and your reproductive system is kind of like a first signal for everything. It's like, something's happening. Like, listen to me. Um, and it, cause it's so sensitive. So really trusting yourself and trusting your body is so important, um, throughout the process of figuring out what's happening with it.
0: Amazing. Absolutely. Always like talk to your medical professionals if something's up. Um, so someone else is asking about the new puberty that hits in your thirties. And just to clarify, there's like a few times in your life where your hormones will change. Um, and one of those times is in your thirties. That's when like your, um, ability to reproduce kind of starts dwindling. It doesn't dwindle completely. That's a, that's like a myth. But like you start kind of going down on a downward slope in terms of like having babies and your body's kind of preparing for the next part of its life. Um, so yeah, in that time, your hormone, your hormones are doing weird things and it can like cause a second puberty in terms of like acne, uh, and mood swings and all those fun things. Um, so I, do you have any like comments on that? I don't, she didn't really ask a question about it. She just wants to talk about the new puberty that hits in your
1: 30s. (laughs) Yeah, no, definitely. That was, that was exactly what I was thinking. It has to do this hormonal shift and, um, if you are going through that, it's really important to take care of your diet and make sure that you're getting all the nutrients you need to support all those hormones. And that's really going to make that time um, a little less extreme if you're really being careful to eat right to your hormones. And there's a lot of resources out there that talk about um, what to eat at different times in your cycle, what to eat to nourish each hormone that you're feeling to make sure everything's balance and to make that transition a little smoother.
0: Amazing next one uh oh am i prone to infections more more prone to infections during menstruation
1: for a long period of time i didn't know the answer to this question and i started doing some research on it and it's not necessarily that you're more prone to infection when you're menstruating but your you're in terms of like um A yeast infection, yeast infections grow easier when, um, your vagina is at a higher pH level. So if it's at a low pH level, um, which is kind of the general environment of your vagina is more acidic. It keeps away yeast infections more easily, but because your blood is alkaline and your pH level goes up, it means an infection can grow more easily. It's more hospitable in that environment. Um, So I don't know if it's necessarily you're more prone to an infection, but you definitely have a more hospitable environment for one to happen. Also, when you're menstruating, it's easier for bacteria to get into your uterus and into your fallopian tubes, which can cause pelvic infections. But again, that's something that can also happen at any time during the month. Menstruation just makes it a little easier to happen. Yeah.
0: I actually um, was getting like chronic yeast infections for a while. and. I, and I was like, what's happening to me? And I was like, am I pregnant? Like, is what's happening? Cause that's also like a, a symptom of that. Cause obviously I Googled it and I'm like, Oh God, I'm pregnant. But <laughs> It turned out it was actually because I had, um, had like the onset of a yeast infection and I was using a Diva cup at the time and you cannot boil that out. So if you get a yeast infection and you have, and you use a Diva cup, you have to get a new Diva cup. Which I like didn't realize. I, I kind of like it clicked for me one day where I was like, "Could it be my diva cup?" So I googled diva cup yeast infection, and like on the diva cup website, it was like, "If you get a yeast infection, throw out your diva cup and get a new one." So that's like a fun fact for anyone who gets yeast infections. I kept on getting them like every cycle, and I was like, "What's happening?" Like every time, right after my period, I suddenly have a yeast infection. So it was probably because of that hospitable environment for the bacteria. Yeah being like inside because I guess it's like a little bit porous the material so it was like living inside the porous material of my diva cup fun fact
1: <laughs> it was just like everything was <laughs> the right timing with that it was like in the cup during menstruation <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that,
0: that's one fact about, about diva cups that I didn't know until <laughs> until it happened to me <laughs> And which said is into our last question here, which is uh, their diva cup doesn't open properly for them. So how can they be ecologically responsible? Uh, I guess, and what period products can they use to be ecologically responsible since a diva cup isn't fitting properly for them?
1: Yeah, so first, if they like the idea of using a cup, there are so many cup brands out there that are all shaped differently um, for every person's individually shaped body. So a diva cup may not be opening just because it's the wrong shape. Um, it's a little bit more of an elongated cup with a really small stem. So that may not be the right shape or the right firmness for, um, that person. So if you're having trouble getting that cup opening, it might be a good idea to try a different cup company Um, put a cup in it is a really great website that has a cup quiz that you can take. And it like asks you a ton of questions about your body. And then it tells you a bunch of cups that would work really well for it. Yeah. (laughs) That's how I found my cup and they were like spot on. It like fits perfectly. Um, yeah, I use salt, salt cup, which you can get at target and it works really well for my body. But that, that is a really big thing that Um, there are cups that are like firmer and softer. There's cups that are more elongated, that are smaller, that have longer stems, shorter stems. It's really finding what works well with your body. But on that note, you can also try menstrual discs. There are reusable menstrual discs out there. They work slightly different from a menstrual cup rather than sitting in your vaginal canal and like staying in through suction. They, you actually push it all the way up into your fornix, which is the area Um, it's kind of that open space beneath your cervix, right above your vaginal canal, you push it up and you tuck it under your pubic bone and it just stays in due due to your anatomy. It just like tucks right under and stays in. There's no suction. There's no opening or closing that needs to happen. There's only one way to put it in. That could be a really good option for people as well. There's a, there's three brands of reusable discs out there that I know of, um, Intamina has a Ziggy disc and uh, the Nixit disc. And then there's one more and I'm blanking on the name of it. Um, and I, I don't... I can pull
0: a link and we'll put it in the, in the bio after if you think of it.
1: Yeah, that would be great. I can definitely find that quick. Um, and then there's also using the reusable underwear. Um, and like Thinks Underwear. There's a few other brands out there too. So that's a really great option. And some people even use sea sponges. So this is, yeah, this is something I have not tried personally, but apparently sea sponges are supposed to be really good menstrual hygiene management products. Um, and it works similar to a tampon, but it's a sea sponge. So that might also be something to consider. Very cool.
0: I'm assuming that works kind of like the sponge, like the old like birth control thing. But yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, diva cups didn't really end up working for me that well either. Like it was just like a um, like a sizing thing. I also have like a really fun TMI story about <laughs> this time that I was trying to put... So I took my diva cup out, I cleaned it out, and I like was really far... It was like a bathroom that was like far from a sink. So I was like, oh, whatever. I'm just going to like... I just dumped it. I'm just going to put it back in. So I go to like squish it back in, but it like sprung out, like it popped out, and it was like blood like right in my face, like spots. <laughs> like just a full on spray right in my face. <laughs> oh man <laughs> I went out and told my husband about it. He was standing in the kitchen eating salsa and he was like, I'll just keep eating this salsa.
1: <laughs> oh I have I have definitely had blood all over public bathrooms happened to me too. I, I was using, (laughs) I was using a menstrual disc and I was like putting it in and it just like, wasn't going in. Right. It was like twisting on itself. And I was like in the middle of work and I needed to get back to work. And I was like, (laughs) it like had twisted once I put it in. So I like stood up and I like started bleeding all over the bathroom floor. And I was like, what is happening? <laughs> like, this is not supposed to be happening. And I was like, I was at that point, I was like on the verge of tears. I was like, I need to get back to work and I can't figure out <laughs> how to manage my period without bleeding all over the place. Like this, <laughs> nothing could be worse than this. Exactly. It was, it was definitely an interesting experience, um, And that is when I realized that my disc was twisting on me the whole time and I needed to actually just take it out and put it back in again, Uh, (laughs) which solved everything, but.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't wasn't an emergency. Everything was okay.
1: (laughs) Everything was okay.
0: (laughs) This has been awesome. Thank you so much. We'll end on our like gross period stories. (laughs) More because they're A, hilarious and B, remind us that like, blood is fine and you're not going to die from it.
1: <laughs> exactly. And we all have so many similar like situations that we're always like, why is this happening to me? And then you realize that this is happening to everybody and it's.
0: Everyone. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in Our own blood every month. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> this has been so much fun though. Thank you so much for having me on this.
0: Yeah. So it's so easy to talk to you. I feel like I've known you for years. <laughs> and- <laughs> This is extremely educational. I think that like not a ton of people are that informed about their periods. And I think this is going to be really helpful in that sense. Um, Yeah. If you, if you want to connect with Lilia, uh, do you want to let them know your website and the best social places to follow you on?
1: Yeah. So I'm most active on Instagram. If you follow me at Lilia underscore Gaston, that's the place that you'll find me most active. You can also find me on Facebook. Um, I post things on there as well, just not quite as frequently um, under Lilia Gustin. And then my website is liliagustin.com and my blog is paintmeredblog.weebly.com. And you can find me on all of those. If you want to see my artwork more, you can find it on my website. If you want to see posts about periods, you can head over to my blog and you can find all of the above on my Instagram and most of it on my Facebook.
0: (laughs) Got yeah, really amazing content that will make you feel more comfortable about your periods. Uh, I'm sure she would be totally fine if you popped into her DMs to ask her a question about your period too. Uh, it's all about please do. So yeah, yeah. So- Go ahead. Yeah.
1: I was gonna say I'm always game to talk periods. So if you like ever have a question, definitely DM me. If you just want to like talk stories, I'm totally into that too. Like, feel free to reach out with- to yeah. me whenever where people can talk about their their menstruation too, right? That's
0: not happening or no? What was that? Is that still happening? You had that menstruation story thing going
1: on. That is definitely still happening. I need to be promoting that way more than I am. But that is still happening. The Tell Your Menstrual Story. You can go onto my website, liliagustin.com, and write in your menstrual story. And I post it on my website. And I'm trying to create this collected community of stories where we can all like see what each other has been experiencing all connect start this communication so you want to start voicing your experiences with menstruation please head over to my website um and tell your menstrual story
0: amazing so that's just anything about your menstruation
1: like how you anything
0: like a gross story about your diva cup exploding in your face anything that you want to say (laughs) all of the above (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Taking Back Slut podcast. To learn more about sex, relationships, or how you can work with me one-on-one, check out JenniferDoneConsulting.com. Or for unapologetic nudes and sex rants, check out my Instagram at J-E-N-N underscore D-O-A-N.